0: Holy shit! (sighs) (gasps) Shit, we're in my kitchen. Wow,
1: you think that's pretty convenient of hell to just send us to your kitchen, huh? Yeah, thankfully. Wow. Well, (sighs) you know, I guess back to reality, huh?
0: Shit, man. Well, what should we do now that we uh, escaped hell and talked shitty movies for months?
1: Well, watch good movies, right? Hell yeah. Um mm-hmm. Hey guys welcome back we're back we're back after
0: a little bit of a break Mm -hmm. it's been a while yeah it's been a little while we wanted to get back in here do uh a couple of our favorite directors Mm -hmm. of uh of all time but let's first
1: ask how's the audio? how you guys been doing how you guys doing we'll give you a second cool awesome great that's that's and for for a couple of you
0: (laughs) sorry that's i'm really i'm (laughs) bummed that that happened and that you could fit that in the space of just a few seconds that we gave you. It, there. It's
1: it's efficiency, yeah. You know, just yeah. like Tarantino, yeah,
0: does oh. in his
1: films. Yeah, exactly. efficient filmmaking, f- efficient language. So yeah, that's what that's who we're doing this this. Uh, I don't want to say season, but I'm going to say season. We're doing yeah, yeah. um unofficially yeah. season
0: 4, yes. but uh kind of a rebranding, just kind of just going to put the fucking movie titles on mm-hmm. there and you guys judge for yourselves if you want to watch you it. Do you do whatever you will. Yeah. Cuz it's going to be a good season. We're doing mm-hmm. uh QT versus PT A <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson's the other uh, good boy we're doing this season, mm-hmm. and uh, it's gonna be fucking awesome. I think it's. Uh, I think yeah. we're gonna do four or five movies each. We haven't fully landed mm-hmm. on it, but we're. I think we're gonna kind of go chronologically, is what we were kind of talking about a little
1: bit. We could do that. Yeah, I mean,
0: uh, yeah, we're kind of probably <laughs> starting off to do. Why
1: not? Yeah. I mean, uh, it uh, for those out there who like to take sides. For those who are keeping count, you know, I know you guys have all your spreadsheets and mm-hmm. uh, tallying up the wins and losses between Brent and I. Yeah. But unfortunately, this yeah. season is uh, is different in the way mm-hmm. that neither one of us can uh, uh, vehemently uh, defend one over the other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind
0: of a, a break from the typical... Uh, kind of conflict-heavy formula, mm. uh, in the sense that we kind of wanted to do something where it was kind of a kind of like a Sophie's Choice season, if you will, right. like and like two all directors, seen that, that yeah, that movie. amazing. I've never seen it. I feel really bad <laughs> even <laughs> just referencing
1: it. Yeah, uh, we
0: love Meryl Streep, though. Um, I just and Jews, it. we love Jews. And Jews. I don't know if Jews are in it. Yeah, well, Is well that
1: a thing? oh no, it, it's. I don't think it's about Jews actually. It's about Christian. Some Christians in the I Holocaust, thought, right? Something let's like that. let's
0: just give a little <laughs> Sophie's Choice corner real quick and say what we think Sophie's choice is about. I thought it was about a husband and wife. For some reason I have like a really strong like description in my head that it is about a husband and wife whose uh son or daughter is on life support.
1: No, not that is completely. Is that wrong? Incorrect. Okay. <laughs> That is just not even close to what it is.
0: Oh,
1: this episode, Sophie's Choice. Put that <laughs> right? <down> right <laughs> no, that that movie. I mean, I'll just say it really quick. It's it's about like a mother who has to choose between her son or her daughter to go to the to the internment camp
0: and in, oh, the concentration Jesus. camp okay. in uh,
1: the Holocaust. Wow.
0: Okay. I so she has to choose
1: one over the other. So that's why it's a Sophie's Choice. Like, how could you?
0: Oh, I see. You know, see. how
1: could you do that?
0: Right? Okay. So, so the son or daughter in this circumstance <laughs> is <laughs> Quentin Tarantino <laughs> and uh Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh, um God. I think it's gonna be a cool season. Yeah. I we just wanted one where like we both generally pretty much agree on everything, I guess, the whole season. And if near the end uh we do maybe pick sides, maybe mm. that'll happen organically or not, who knows? Uh it but might yeah.
1: be sprinkled throughout the yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah if like we watch
0: a PTA movie and we're like, oh, man, he did this, I think, better than you know Quentin does or mm. you know, uh, the Vice other way versa. around. Vice versa, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, then that'll happen. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we just wanted to do a couple of directors that we love, mm. and uh, these are two of our, I think, all-time favorites, yeah. like top three yeah. for each of us. For sure. And uh, we just wanted to watch and talk about fucking like Great movies, mm-hmm.
1: so, so that's kind of what this is gonna be. Yeah, so to to, to kick it off, um, Reservoir Dogs, the, the the first, well, technically the second film, mm. Quinn Tarantino has done.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, if anyone is a a movie buff out there, which I feel like are the only people who would listen <laughs> to this, yeah. and our friends and family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, my, my, my best friend's birthday is actually Tarantino's first film that got, uh, oh. it, it, it was the, the film reel was, uh, was burned in a fire. So that's why we can't watch his what? first film. Yeah. I literally, I didn't know about that. What, it's what probably was it a good thing. My <laughs> best friend's birthday. That's the name of the film.
0: Oh, I thought you said that your best friend's birthday coincided with his first oh, release. No, no, that's what I literally thought no. you were saying. But uh it's not your oh. birthday, Aww. oh that's nice Isn't that's, that's nice cute yeah
1: um but yeah that that movie was his first, and it was a comedy, and apparently, it's nothing like Reservoir dogs wow. you know, so
0: he's never done okay
1: we well, th- we'll get into that later, but like like
0: specific genres, I feel like he's never done, mm. and like Tarantino and even p t a also have really struck me as guys who aren't restricted by the genre
1: they're working in mm. Mm-hmm. Um, they redefine whatever genre they, exactly. They go yeah. Into. And they make
0: new, yeah. Like in certain cases, definitely of movies, I think we're going to cover mm. for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a movie that both of us, uh, love it. Yeah. got I think both of us, I think you to a stronger degree, but I think it got both of us into,
1: uh, what movies could be r- right. at an early age. So. so, I mean, I'll just jump straight to the sort context real quick. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know if our listeners remember back in a uh, Clockwork Orange episode where that cool hipster chick in high school. You know, I was talking to one, and she's like, "Check out Reservoir Dogs," oh, and I did. Okay, and I was like, you know, I was a I was a kid who uh, only knew of blockbusters and and that sort of uh, film. I didn't think anything could be beyond that. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was pretty ignorant. Yeah. And when I saw Reservoir Dogs, I was like, whoa, movies can be this. Yeah. It can be completely different from the typical um, three-act narrative structure. Mm -hmm. And oh, boy, this is totally unique for its non-linearity. Yeah. Yeah something that nice. will definitely
0: come back in a mm. future movie that we talk about in a huge way. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean it was it was a similar thing for me, but interestingly enough, I think I want to say you were the one who showed me this movie, I think. Um and it was kind of late. Like it was I really didn't get into like being a real huge fan of like movies and like actually learning like directors and like all of that shit until like near the mm-hmm. end of high school mm-hmm. slash uh like college when I started that, mm. um, and yeah, this was one of the ones where you were like, you gotta watch this. And I think mm. I, I think I bought actually the DVD of it that I still have uh, mm-hmm. to watch it. And yeah, I was like completely
1: blown yeah, away. You, you spent the night at my place. Mm-hmm. I think I remember you spent the night at my place. Okay. And uh, all our other friends left. And I was like, dude, let's watch Reservoir Dogs. And it was the morning after. After oh, that, you know, the orgy, right. right? So yeah, yeah, the big old we're like you know, let's
0: fuck fest. <laughs> let's watch Reservoir. Dogs. <laughs> Dogs yeah. after the when, after once we the cleaned orgy. up the c- <laughs> that was your <laughs> bedroom Jesus I'm going to edit that out <laughs> Jesus I'm going to bleep it at the very least um, yeah. <laughs> but
1: yeah that, so so you know on the record uh, you know we got into movies after an orgy that's that's yes
0: that's uh, that's uh, our historical context <laughs> uh, no but I think that definitely was one of the big things that factored into like, both me getting, like, figuring out, like, oh, who directed that? Like, oh, he made this? Holy shit, this guy knows what he's doing. And really
1: like, organic way of exploring mm, movies, because yeah, you he, know that director.
0: Yeah, yeah. and even us uh, starting to make, um, like, shorts and, like, YouTube videos and stuff mm-hmm. like that, which we love to do. And, like, it's funny, because, like, one of the, some of the first videos I was in
1: were... uh Directed by what's his name? The Bed Portal videos. Um, yeah, like, yeah. By the the very successful. Yeah, he was
0: um, hugely popular. Fidel growing.
1: Ruiz Healy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and he directed this Bed Portal <laughs> thing. This video. <laughs> this, is a deep this dumb right here. I know, man. but it's just it's funny because when I watched, I didn't know at the time what he was doing with it. Yeah. But there's so many homages to. This movie, like, yeah. even uses the song mm. that I think opened up this podcast, like, the f- infamous Reservoir Dog song. The little, little Green Bag, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so,
1: yeah, and, like, even looking back on the, that video. Even with our our videos, like, I always sure. dressed up in, like, a uh, <laughs> yeah. in a black suit, white yeah. shirt and black tie, because I thought it was fucking cool, you know? Yeah, exactly, like, and it is. Yeah. And it's,
0: it's hugely influential on us, mm-hmm. so... Uh, I guess you could say we're kind of going back to our roots. I guess yeah. here on this on this season.
1: So uh, to give everybody a little bit of a summary, in case you haven't seen it in a long time, because I just don't think you'd be listening to this if you haven't seen it. <laughs> but um, if you haven't seen it, go see it and come back because it's yeah. Great. We'll, we'll wait yeah. for you. Okay, hold on. We'll wait. Let's
0: I think it's only about an hour thirty nine. Yep. So it's I think, <laughs> well, let's just plug. Let's just wait.
1: Wait. Tell about
0: an yeah, hour five. 5.30, and we will be good.
1: Okay, welcome back, guys. <laughs> um, I hope you enjoyed the movie. And uh, in ca- since you just saw it, I'm going to remind you what it's about again. <laughs> Yay! You might have forgotten. It, I'll, I'll do the simple one, because that's all it really needs. Yeah, um, pretty straightforward. After a simple jewelry heist goes terribly wrong, the surviving criminals begin to suspect that one of them is a police informant by Tom Benton on IMDb. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. But yeah, I mean, of course, that's like a very like uh simplistic mm-hmm. um I mean summary, yeah. and, you know. and
0: you could say I mean I hey, I I bet what we're gonna discover about a lot of with exclusion to Pulp Fiction, I think a lot of Quentin Tarantino's uh like plot descriptions might be pretty simplistic. Mm-hmm. Um because because that's kind of what he does. Like he does kind of these Genre, literal,
1: literal MacGuffin, in pulp mm-hmm. fiction, where the yeah. actual like j- the destination literally doesn't matter. It's just like <laughs> the consequences of like yeah. getting there.
0: Exactly, it's the, it's the journey, and it's like the characters, and it's mm-hmm. hugely the dialogue in his movies right. that really give you like the meat of like the experience of like what you're going to take away. Yeah, watching. I
1: mean, all this movie is is that some thieves come together and they plan a heist. To rob, yeah. yeah, just get some diamonds. That's it. And and it tells the story
0: in a really interesting new way mm-hmm. that really only
1: film can. Well, you know what I was thinking of when I was watching this again. That's you know, a novel. A novel can say, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say that is that a novel could convey this story. Well, yeah. I think I think a stage
0: play could also. Mm-hmm. I think a stage play, with the exception of a couple of kind of actiony scenes of mm-hmm. uh, um, like background. Um, I, I think that you could really do this movie in a really effective stage play. And like, I wonder if anybody's ever sure. thought of doing that because it's,
1: it's very theatrical mm-hmm. in that sense. Like a yeah. you know, whole live theater sort of thing. For sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the, I mean, most of this movie takes place in one setting. I mean, I mean, yeah. How does it open? It opens with, uh, the dining this- diner scene. The diner. Seat. Oh, you're right. Holy yeah. shit! That's right. how did I forget about that? The diner I was gonna seat. jump to Mr. Orange in the back of the car. Jesus!
1: Christ. But no, man. A lot yeah. of people. No, um, nerd a uh, Shout out to a, a YouTuber, nerd Rider. He's, yeah. uh, he's a very, he's very he does a lot of cool videos. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of them on movies. Some other stuff too. But uh, yeah. he mentioned like he did a rewatch of Reservoir Dogs, and was mentioning how like the. Dining scene is like an overture as opposed to a beginning scene. Like it's a way yeah. to set up the uh the characters. And that's why I love that scene. For sure. Yeah. Like I was writing like for that dining scene that mm. you can tell so much about who these people are yeah. just by the casual conversation that they have <laughs> for breakfast. You yeah. know, like and it, I don't think many movies have done that. Mm-hmm. prior to Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Using, because it's like, it's not essential to the plot. Mm-hmm. It's not, because they're talking, it, you know, a lot of pop pop culture references, and it sets like the tone. Yeah, yeah. But that's what's cool about it, is that it's it's, let's set the tone of the film Let's show how these people are on a personal level to Mm -hmm. where we can relate, because of all this. I mean, literally, like it opens with Tarantino, you know, talking about how like a virgin is about you know getting (laughs) a big old dick and it hurts like the very first time. Yeah, yeah. And you you can tell a lot about like who these people are via their uh, back and forth on casual conversation, which is
0: cool. Yeah, you know, it it is. Yeah, I mean, it is a really. Awesome scene because it it really does kind of work almost like a um, yeah like like a table setting mm. and I guess th- it's fitting that they're like at a table at like a diner but like it's it's literally it's the cameras in the middle or not in the middle it's I don't know it's somewhere but it's it's basically uh, turning around the table slowly so that you get an idea who everybody is mm-hmm. and it's a pretty ingenious way to because without that scene you'd be so completely thrown off in this movie Um, if it just started with Mr. Orange in the back of the car. Like, if we didn't have that context of, here are the guys, Mm -hmm. here are all of them walking. Because then from that, when it jumps to the scene in the car, it's, oh, something involving these guys has gone horribly wrong. right? And, like... The rest of the movie almost becomes this mystery, this like thriller mystery, where like you're unraveling like what exactly happened during the job and everything. So I think it's like a really ingenious way
1: to set up the movie. Would you say that's a signature move? I probably would. You know, restaurants, like people eating stuff is a (laughs) signature move, Tarantino. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I wanted, uh, I like that point because the, the thing that I really noticed on this viewing was that this movie's all about. Um, consequences. Like it's all about consequences. Like I can't. Mm -hmm. Like that's the theme. While with traditional action films, like I mean, you you and I, Brent, have seen our fair share of '80s action Mm -hmm. and crime, and it's it's always about it's a linear story, and it's like here's the rising action, then climax, falling action, whatever. And you just, you know what happens yeah. to them, like, and then you know what the results of what you just saw happens to them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like, let's say that uh, Murdoch from, you know, a mm-hmm. Lethal Weapon, he gets shot, and then, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm making that up. I don't remember what happens in Lethal Weapon, but... <laughs> well, like, Die Hard, maybe, yeah, would be a good example. Die, kind of, yeah. There's,
0: like, a linear story, tell, like, yeah.
1: setup where, like, we set you up this see, guy see the event yeah. yeah so you see him yeah like Die Hard's a great example you see him mm-hmm. with his bare feet mm-hmm. like it sets up something he has his bare feet and then yeah. you <laughs> see that like he runs on glass it was fucking badass but anyway yeah. this you see it's like you're seeing the the bare feet hitting the glass first and you don't know why he's mm-hmm. um he's barefoot mm-hmm. just like with the first scene in uh the Mr. Orange scene in the car where he's bleeding mm-hmm. and it's like, it's fucking extreme. You just like, don't know why he's in the back of the car and bleeding out. So it, yeah. it, 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 it makes like a stronger impact, I think. Yeah. I, I think, and that goes it's to so speak jarring. for,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, for like how great Tarantino is at directing tension, mm-hmm. even to the extent, like even outside of individual scenes, which he's very good at, but even like the best way to tell a story to increase like the dramatic tension it's like you just saw these guys hanging out uh you know mostly getting along but just shooting the shit around this table and then like bam we're throwing you in everything has gone wrong like you're you're it's almost like you're like at the end of any other action movie yeah like consequences, after exactly yeah, yeah the, the consequences is a great, great way to put it because mm-hmm. like then the rest of the movie is just aftermath. It's like purely aftermath and what's gonna happen. Mm. And so, like, yeah, anything could happen in that any any minute. And like it's an, a really, really unpredictable movie. And that's well, what really
1: drives it home is that you never actually see the heist ever. Yeah. yeah you for sure. never do. And that's why consequences is a the central theme of mm-hmm. of the film. It's just what uh what happens after something? I feel you know what's really interesting is that
0: um, that I feel like every time I rewatch this movie, I feel like there is always a short scene of them in the bank and like a little bit of what's happening. But that's mm. only because it's been recounted a little bit by the characters like, okay. after it's actually happened. And like that's so ingenious to like just take that whole chunk out and then just like see what's happening
1: afterwards. Well, I think if we can go a little meta with it it is like just the aspect of storytelling. Mm -hmm. Um, like having, because when you tell someone a story, they've already experienced, like you've already experienced that story and you're telling the aftermath, like, like even though you're, you're building it up, like Mm -hmm. you're telling someone, uh, after the fact sort Mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. So what was interesting is that, like, you find out how the heist happens through the words of all the, all Mm -hmm. the, the stories that people say. So it was like this kind of like uh, meta um, commentary on Storytelling. And this is further substantiated with the commode story, like the mm-hmm. the uh, Mister Orange having to be a undercover cop and learning this uh, hilarious anecdote or whatever that guy says. Like, yeah, yeah, Something be fucking funny that happened to you. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think that's like what's so cool is just like someone who Tarantino seems to have like a very great understanding on just the 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 effect of storytelling on what, what that, what it means to tell someone a story.
0: Yeah. I mean, something I was thinking about too, which is pretty interesting is that like, this isn't, uh, he definitely defines his, um, cinematic language a lot more in his future movies, Mm -hmm. but like this one is pretty, uh reserved in that sense. Like it has flares every now and then and like some some really good like like wonders, like good one-shots. Mm. But it like is a really reserved movie, but that's because the experimentation is happening on the story level. Yeah. And like and I think he realized, which is smart, is that like I can't be throwing in all this visual flair when I need people to understand like the you know how this story is moving, I mm. guess. Um, but, yeah, he definitely gets more into, like, his crazy visual stuff a little bit later.
1: Well, because the strong suit is more so the dialogue mm-hmm. than the 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 cinematic uh, language, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. The, yeah, because, like, he's... You can tell it's, like, this is his first film. It's not... Um, I mean, if that was my first film, and he still... I would say, like, that's still really good. Mm-hmm. It's not, like... Like amazing, yeah. You know, but the dialogue is what really like sets it apart from everything else, for sure. Yeah, because everything that everyone says, uh, is just so um, calculated. Like I'll go off of how when Mister Pink first show, shows up after Mister White and Mister Orange is in the warehouse, and he's the one who's give, who gives the audience answers through his um.
2: Mm-hmm
1: through his uh, explanation, his exposition of what happened. But it makes sense with Mr. Pink because he's like the more intelligent, professional type mm-hmm. guy. So you, he's using like characterization to explain the uh, the events that happen. So it's like efficient exposition. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was thinking yeah. about
0: that watching this too, is that like, yeah, the exposition, It's mm-hmm. it's like seamless. Like mm-hmm. you don't... and and I was thinking about his other movies when I was watching it too, how he do, how he does exposition and how like effortless and how entertaining it always is. Like if, if he realizes that he needs to explain something to you, I think that's when like, he'll like spice up the visuals and like give Mm -hmm. you a crazy montage or like he realizes that like that part of the story needs to be a little, uh, more interesting,
1: like Mm -hmm. whether via dialogue or his directing, I think. And, uh, I was watching, it reminds me because I was watching the uh, deleted scenes that was on the uh, special edition 15th anniversary of Reservoir Dogs, Blu-ray. <laughs> um, they were boring. They were boring, yeah. the deleted scenes. And they were a lot more exposition heavy. Oh, Okay. So I was like, "Oh, thank you. He like realized it from the fat, like yeah. there's this whole like girl cop that's never ever shown in Reservoir dogs, yeah, and she's like this really cute blonde girl, and she like goes she drones about like Mr. White's like backstory, and I'm like, this is like I don't it's like, not cares? adding anything. It gives yeah. you
0: just enough because you're mm-hmm. you're right i I think what's interesting is that he ties the exposition into character stuff, mm-hmm. so." the exposition will be say for Mr. Blonde, mm. his introduction scene or his flashback, I should say, is like, Oh, so
1: good. It's so good. Yeah. It's like,
0: he just got out of jail. It's like all character shit, yeah. but there's like a hint of like who he is as a person. And like, it's like character and his as relationship, exposition and his relationship with, uh, Joe with Joe and this exactly. guy yeah. yeah. It's really ingenious. Mm. Um, the way that he, that he does that. But yeah. Like
1: it, it that can weave into, like, just narrative structure, you know, in the mm-hmm. sense that uh, every, like, they'll go through um, the aftermath of the heist, and every time a character shows up, they do the background story, like, Tarantino does a background story of each character. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really interesting that I never caught this time, like, I'd never caught in previous viewings, and I've seen this movie, like, dozens of times. Yeah. Like Mr. Pink doesn't have his little, he doesn't have a background story. He doesn't. He doesn't have one that Mr. Orange does, Mr. Blonde and Mr. White does. Yeah,
0: the well, the only thing they give him is him escaping from the bank, and that's like they only want to. He only wants to give you. Well, I like, mean, literally, you the know, immediate. like
1: you'll have the title card that says, "Oh, okay, Mr. Yeah. White." Yeah, yeah. Then you have, then you have a uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Blonde, Mr. Orange. Yeah. And Mr. Orange. Yeah. And those are the ones. And then Mr. Pink's also like a main character, but he doesn't have one when he's That it shows is interesting. Up. Yeah. I you guess know. he the, he realized that like what he is given
0: is enough. Like in just in the scenes that he's in because he talks well, so much.
1: I, it's meta, I think, because Mr. Pink says, "I'm not going to Well, don't tell me your fucking name. I don't want to know it." So it's, like, the very fact that, like, he doesn't include his backstory because he doesn't reveal (laughs) anything about himself.
0: Because the characters don't, we don't get to. Yeah. Okay, that's really, yeah, I like that a lot. So I was like,
1: oh, this is, like, super fucking clever. Yeah, Yeah, that's really awesome. I never picked, because I was plotting, I was mapping out the, the narrative. Like, I was writing down, like, how it went. Yeah. And I was trying to find the patterns, and that was, like, a big break. Like, I don't know why Mr. Pink wouldn't have his... Backstory, it didn't yeah. make any sense, huh. but in terms of his character, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Way to go, Tarantino! That's like, that's kind of clever. That's clever as fuck." Because like you think that you would do everybody mm-hmm. as you came along, you know. So I was yeah. like, yeah, that's a cool thing I never." Um, yeah, that's pretty, found out about. That's pretty you know? awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, good old Tarantino himself is in this movie, <laughs> and <laughs> in a great little opening bit. Mm. Um, God, he's like, he's really narcissistic, right? Like, well, I think you, we can both have agree. have to be. Yeah.
1: Mr. Pink was supposed to do that, uh, monologue because Tarantino was supposed to be Mr. Pink, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, he wanted to be Mr. Pink, but I guess like, yes, narcissistic, but also he is willing to like, not do main roles if he's directing which is a another weird form of narcissism at the same time but if you're (laughs) academy award winner ben affleck you know you could be front and center you you could direct and be the the main actor (laughs)
0: um well i had a bit of trivia here that i wanted to talk about uh Sent to us by our good buddies at uh, Mental Floss. And so the first one is kind of all about Sundance. And I think you had some stuff to add, too. But basically, heading into Sundance, uh, 1992, this is one of the first, if not the first Sundance. um, uh, Reservoir Dogs, like, it had a ton of buzz. Basically, like everybody was talking about it, how it's gonna, how it was like either that or like this other movie that was gonna take all the mo- all the all the wins, and then it didn't end up winning at all. Shit, Amen. yeah, one diddly squat. So, uh, fucking
1: Robert Redford, you asshole. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting because mm. that that's kind of like a chip on his shoulder. I feel like that he.
1: So yeah, pissed, w- when right? he when it premiered at Sundance in 1992, uh, the. Uh, Tarantino filmed on widescreen. Uh, was it Pan- uh, wasn't Panav- Panavision camera or something? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it was on Filmstock, and he intended for widescreen viewing. The hotel they they got like this shitty hotel in at Sundance to premiere the sh- the Reservoir Dogs, mm-hmm. and they were so ill-equipped that the aperture on the projector was a four by three instead of widescreen. So Ooh. four by three means like square. So it's yeah. just like a square. So God. it was literally cutting off like the edges of the film. And like, I think pro- I think Tarantino about like a quarter through it was like, I can't fucking do this. Like you got to stop the film. Wow. This is not how it should be like yeah. presented.
0: That's fucking awful. That was, was that the first Sundance? Cause I know. No, he I mean, that was, 91. that was
1: when he premiered. Like that was his first premiere oh, was okay. at Sundance. I see, yeah. I see. So, <laughs> yeah, that's so imagine terrible. Tarantino with his first movie premiering at Sundance, first premiere ever. Yeah, four by three. A that's man, like so funny. To yeah, me, a yeah. man
0: renowned for his passion yeah. about uh, like film and uh, <laughs> proper projections. That's fucking hilarious.
1: But they managed to get it fixed after uh, for subsequent um, viewings. Oh, okay. so because like he 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 yelled loud enough i guess. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so Mr. Blue, uh the old guy, uh he was a bank robber in real life. Did you know this?
1: I think i read something about it. Yeah, this that. is pretty crazy. Yeah. So
0: actor Eddie Bunker was a criminal and he spent most of the first half of his life in uh in prison. Yeah. for various robberies and um things like that. Tarantino
1: uh, was in prison for he went what? to jail for a little bit prior to his filmmaking career, like I didn't he had know that. some, he had some. Uh, I don't know. I think it was some traffic violations, and he didn't want to pay the fee, so he's like, "I'll just go to jail." <laughs> so that's where he picked up a lot of like his like lingo and like wow. inspiration for Reservoir Dogs. That's yeah, pretty hilarious experience.
0: Um, well, yeah, he was. So Tarantino was. So basically, Mr. Blue became a uh, crime novel writer. Right, right, And Tar- right, Tarantino right, yeah. was a big fan, and he was like, "Hey, come be in my movie." And he's like, "All right." Uh, Mr. Blue didn't get a lot of time, kind of a glorified cameo, really. Yeah. But um, that's kind of a cool little bit. Yeah, he
1: was—he was really whatever in this. this movie. Yeah. Well, he but, had died. Should right? take you he out died. back and suck your dick. That's like his biggest oh light. <laughs> <laughs> take you out back and suck your dick. That's right. Everybody <laughs> even speaks. <laughs> yeah, that's all. He—that's really like the only light I remember him saying. He uh, looks like—he uh, looks like the the warden from Escape from New York and the warden from. Uh, what's that? Uh, that recent movie with Vince Vaughn? Oh, God, with Vince Vaughn. Oh shit! Oh, uh, Don.
0: Oh shit! I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah,
1: you know what I'm saying. The
0: e- like Brawl c- and Cell Block Ninety Nine. Yeah, Don, Don something. Fuck! I'm really mad that. But I doesn't he kind of? He kind of looks like he does. Like, yeah, an know? older version, a yeah.
1: little bit. Um, so he looks like a warren. That's for sure.
0: So apparently, uh amongst the other actors. So the guy the actor who played Joe, fuck, I could be wrong about this. I just know he's an older guy and he's in the cast. Lawrence Tierney uh was the pretty rock. much like a huge pain in the ass.
1: Oh, I could totally see that. Yeah, sure. like he
0: uh got fired during the second week. No, during the first week of shooting because he uh, would constantly argue with Tarantino and be like shit face drunk, like on set. So he's Marlon
1: Brando, pretty much.
0: <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Um, and he, yeah, like he'd go out drinking with the cast and he would like get in fist fights with fucking people in what? the bar and everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently he filmed enough of his scenes or mm-hmm. something like that after he got fired, um, he had, I don't know, he had filmed enough of his stuff. You know,
1: his character, um, well, I guess his build kind of reminds me of uh The Killing in uh by Stanley Kubrick. Mm. And I the reason why I bring up The Killing is because I could see uh, it's a
0: big influence.
1: Uh I don't think Tarantino's ever said it's a big influence, but there's no fucking doubt in my mind mm-hmm. that Tarantino saw The Killing and was like, yeah, I want to I want to do that. For sure. Yeah. No, yeah, they're very
0: they're very similar. I think it's just the only difference is the killing shows you the Mm -hmm. shit like shows you in like a pretty lengthy sequence, like the actual,
1: which Nolan took and, uh, did himself for the dark Knight. But, Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to say that because Tarantino, the, the, the way that he came up with reservoir dogs was that he was working at his little, you know, his little video store. And, uh, he, he just he he did little film festivals at his uh video rental store mm-hmm. and he had a heist one and said you know we haven't had a good heist movie in a long time so i'm going to go write one and he <laughs> did he wrote a reservoir dogs so yeah. spe-
0: speaking of that uh i didn't have anything on the origin of the movie but nobody knows um the origin of the title
1: arivar apparently so, yeah <laughs> like
0: yeah people think that's like part of it but then um Then, yeah, like he said that that wasn't, or no, 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 they, they claimed that that movie, so he said that he saw that title in the store that he was working at, Mm. but that title wasn't available to rent in the store until after he worked there, and Mm. like all of this shit that like, like basically they, they aren't sure like how, they think it's a mix of that movie and then like Straw Dogs, like the, that's John Woo, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's John Wu. Yeah,
0: and, uh. So, yeah, they're they're unclear even to this day about, like, what the title is even I from. think
1: it's, like, some inside joke he had, from what I read, that, like, girlfriend? there was a... Well, there was, like, like Au Revoir was, like, a, some French New Wave film, mm. and since, you know, if you're an American, you, you don't speak French all that well, so Au Revoir is kind of like reservoir. Yeah. So it was just like some running joke. like mm, That's such dogs, a like you know?
0: fucking film nerd thing. dude. Yeah. Like that's so funny that his first movie, <laughs> it's, it's really fascinating that, uh, right out of the gates, like he doesn't give a shit about like marketability. Right. Like he doesn't give a shit about making something that everybody will get or even like, because the violence in this movie people were, so that actually ties into a bit of trivia that, um, at the premiere that you mentioned, um, fucking Wes Craven walked out because it was so violent. The oh, guy who, pussy. the guy who directed yeah. the last house on the left, what? which is an incredibly brutal movie.
1: It's because it's because what was revolutionary about reservoir dogs was that you take again, like I love eighties action, but mm. all of those films you shoot a guy and he's down and he's dead and that's it for him mm-hmm. while in reservoir dogs not that many people actually die in the mm-hmm. film but the 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 length of violence is just like so much longer like the mm-hmm. result of getting shot like Mr. Orange yeah you know and that's what was so revolutionary about reservoir dogs was that this is what actually happens when you get shot, and this is what actually happens <laughs> this, when this violence happens. This is a
0: post-action movie? Post-action. Post-action. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, speaking of the violence, um, the ear-cutting scene actually had some uh, improvisation. So the, the cop, Marvin Nash, actually ad-libbed the scene, I've Got a Little Kid at Home, which... Mm. which actually like fucked Michael Madsen up because he oh. was in his zone yeah. and he had like an 18 month old at home Aww. and he like had to stop and like take a break for the rest of the day. Cause he yeah. was like, I, c- I can't like be in my zone when like that threw me off so mm-hmm. much,
1: which is just That's like, kind of cute too though. Yeah. It's really like nice, He's nice because yeah. he is
0: fucking ruthless in this movie. Man. He's
1: my favorite. He's my favorite. Like yeah. next to Mr. Pink. For sure, those are my two. I'd say also. Like it's funny because Mr. Michael Manson he wanted to be um, Mr. Pink when he auditioned. Okay, and he said that like it's because Mr. Blonde's lines was just so simple and he didn't really have much, and Mr. Pink obviously had a lot of. A lot of dialogue and a lot of interesting things mm-hmm. to say. Yeah, but when my Mike, how Michael Manson does Mr. Blonde is just so slick and cool. Even though he's a goddamn psychopath. Yeah, you know, like you made being psychopath, like being a psychopath, like fucking cool. <laughs> Look
0: cool. Yeah, which I guess like yeah. kickstarts the. Uh, long history of like Tarantino's whole like glorification of right stuff Mm. because like that's always been a a knock that people give against him is like it's like you you really do kind of glorify it sometimes well he does not the violence itself yeah not the violence itself but the people doing it sometimes Mm. like he makes them out to be like these cool kind of
1: well this is his rebuttal because I was watching an interview yeah I'm really interested to hear this and he said that it's like Violence is I'm not, this sounds it sounds like satire, but he said violence violence is purely aesthetic. It's, it's aesthetics. And that he compared it to how like you would watch slapstick comedy, and if you don't particularly care for slapstick comedy, e no matter how brilliant slapstick com that slapstick comedy is it won't matter to you because you don't like slapstick comedy. So you think it's the same thing with violence. It's like, okay. well, if you just don't like violence, yeah. then it doesn't matter how brilliant the film is. You're not going to okay. like it. So he has, yeah. Like it's yeah. more of
0: like an a la carte thing. Like if mm-hmm. you're coming to an action movie, like what yeah. you should be expecting. And when you, you don't, is, yeah, like, like you <laughs>
1: should, exactly. Yeah. If you want, if you're going to watch a crime yeah. movie, it's like, you should expect like some gory stuff. Yeah. I mean it's it's not like I'm going in some Teletubbies movie expecting like like you know, violence or something. Yeah. I, I think it's a it's a fair it's a pretty good argument. Yeah. yeah, because
0: it's like it's and and even going through the eighties, hmm. I'm I'm honestly surprised that people were so thrown off by the violence in this movie because
1: Well, just like I said before, the drawn out hmm.
0: violence. Yeah, I guess thing. so. It's like him in the back of the car. It's like hmm. that that's not even so much violence, it's like terror. It's like it's it's like sure the violence is there like the blood and mm. and all that but um, yeah I mean and that goes to more like his tension building and mm. like like just staying in that like violent scene.
1: A fun fact: uh, when they, there was so much blood used in uh, in Reservoir Dogs that uh, Tim Roth, who was Mister Orange, when he he spent like a good amount of time on the on the ground on the ramp Cover covered aware, in blood like the, covered yeah. blood, yeah. So since they were doing all these long takes, uh, he, he, uh, he had the blood dried out. And so they had to keep giving him like more blood, obviously. Right. Yeah. Yeah. More fake blood. And so when they were done the scene, it took like, like several minutes to unstick him from the ground. Cause he was like, <laughs> it was like he was caked onto the God damn! <laughs> Cause there's yes. so much, so much fake blood. Just became there. a part of the thing. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's fucking brutal. Um, Shit. Well, I mean, that that I think that's that's about all the trivia I have on this one. It's, mm. it's all that that mental floss has given me. Um, yeah. What uh. What what else? What else we got? Um. So we can. What do you? Where, where do you want to go, Brent? Where do you so want to go? I I actually had pulled up here. So we had talked a little bit about our historical context. Mm. I think it'd be interesting to talk about historical context of like the time that this movie For came sure. out. For sure. Yeah. Um, so uh yeah 1991 uh the sundance film festival was retitled that and kind of rebranded as this um indie film uh kind of uh what do you call it kind of like film premiere, festival? yeah like yeah. film festival and uh so a lot of like directors took their, their do you know how long
1: there. how long uh is it, it existed for
0: uh, I'm not really sure. There's a lot here on mm. Wikipedia, but yeah, it was named after Redford's uh, yes. role as Sundance Butch, Kid. Yeah, and all Butch that. Cassidy. Um, yeah. And yeah, so pretty much this festival started. Directors, uh, even ones that we talked about. Um, uh, our good boy, what's his name? Fucking Linklater. Linklater got to start here. <laughs> Um, link
1: later did he pr- did um slacker premiere at uh, i think it did yeah so slacker did um it's funny that means slacker beat reservoir dogs because 91 uh-huh. and 92 was reservoir dogs uh and clerks when was clerks tell me clerks when was clerks nah, i'm not sure Clerk 94. I want to say 94, dang really clerks 94. It was, it was 94. Yeah. So Kevin Smith is a hack. Well, okay. So no, I want to talk Clark. about that because, <laughs> uh, I mean, I agree
0: with you, but yeah, Tarantino was like at the forefront of like the new American indie movement and like other directors that are listed as kind of like well, being with him. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, yeah. uh, Robert Rodriguez, uh, David O. <laughs> Russell can all be winners. Um, PTA, we're gonna talk PTA, about him. Yes. Uh, Steven Soderbergh, James Wan. I didn't know James Wan. That's interesting.
1: He took a while to really. Oh, bloom. you know what? Okay,
0: so this is just saying the Sundance Film Festival. So, okay, so it's oh, not just in general. Yeah, yeah. Well, but it's under indie movement anyway. Um, and Jim Jarmusch. So yeah, <laughs> quite a yeah. quite a few uh indie directors kind of got. So their we start just there.
1: need to get into Sundance. I guess so,
0: man. That's. It's a big festival. Well,
1: like, r- okay, so Taran- I, uh, we're going back to trivia, I guess. No, but, no like, Tarantino, because I'm really, I'm really fascinated by Reservoir Dogs because this is how, like, he got to start. So I was wondering, like, if I were to, you know, write a script, like, how would I go about it? Mm-hmm. And so how did Tarantino did it? And what yeah. he did, he wrote the script, and he just knew, like, his, his friend – was taking, well, Tarantino took acting classes for like six years, and his friend was taking acting classes, and the instructor was, um instructor had a wife who was friends with Harvey Keitel. Oh, okay. And so it went through that line, and mm-hmm. they all read the script, Reservoir Dogs, they all loved it, they kept passing it on, and it got yeah. to Harvey Keitel, who then spearheaded uh, it and like said, "I'm gonna help you produce this. I want to be in it. I'm gonna go find us uh, some uh, producers." And then Lawrence um, Bender, some guy like that. That he, name, yeah, sounds. Familiar. He's he's a producer of Reservoir Dogs, and he was a dancer. That guy did not produce movies. He didn't know what he's yeah. doing. Huh? And I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the connection like between Harvey Keitel and that producer. <laughs> I forgot, but it's just like. It was just a matter of now. Imagine if Tarantino didn't know that person in his acting class or whatever, and it would never have ended up in Harvey Cartel's. Like, yeah, I mean,
0: that's that's like, what do they say? Like, talent and luck are like the two Mm -hmm. things that you Mm -hmm. that you need pretty much. Um, I mean, that actually ties into something uh, that I wanted to bring up about uh, kind of the making of this, and also like Tarantino's process. Um, Terry Gilliam was actually like a huge part of making this movie. Really? Um, I didn't yeah. Know that. So basically after he premiered it at, um, Oh no, he showed the script to a bunch of people at a workshop. Um, some of the judges were positive about it and some weren't. Um, but Terry Gilliam, uh, basically gave him some advice cause, uh, Tarantino was like, how do I direct this? I have no idea how to direct. And he basically, he told him... Oh, um, yeah,
1: I remember this. He told him, well,
0: Quentin, you have to understand as a director, you don't have to do that, uh, meaning direct. Um, Your job is to hire talented people who can do that. You hire a cinematographer who can get the kind of quality that you want. You have a talented costume designer who can give you the colors that you need and the flamboyance. Uh, Your job is articulating to them what you want on the screen. And basically, he took from that like a huge lesson in, well, I know exactly what is in my head and I need to hire people that I can like articulate Translate that well too, enough. Yeah. And I, I just thought that was like super fascinating that like Terry Gilliam was definitely there it, on the ground floor, right. like getting him. And
1: that's also like too. just in the sense of, you know, since our podcast is called director showdown and you know, all tour theory and whatever. It's, it's really good to hear that because it's not like the director is some sort of God, unless you're Stanley Kubrick. Mm hmm. But um, it, it it just means that like you know it's not just the director. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of very good, talented people who help make the film. Yeah, possible, I mean, I, I think it's
0: know? I think it comes down to vision, right? Like it comes down to yeah, it's like how a CEO well, of a company. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. like management, like how yeah. how much you can tell the very talented people that hopefully you've hired exactly what you want this to look like. Right. And that's why you have like your Brett Ratner's of the world. whose <laughs> movies look like just flat garbage because they don't know what they want to see. And you have your Tarantino's. I feel like our
1: podcast is going to be flagged for mentioning Brett oh, Ratner no. in it. Jesus. <laughs> rescind your uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah. Mention it. Delete it. it.
0: Uh, um, and yeah, I mean, then you have your Tarantino's and your PTAs who have a very clear vision of what they want mm. and uh yeah it's fascinating
1: pretty fucking cool. You know how many times the word fuck was in this movie?
0: Tell me how many. I know you wrote it down.
1: 98 I think. 98. I have that in my head. I don't know I if know that was right. I know pulp fiction
0: is like mid hundreds. It's a lot of fucks in that movie Well,
1: I think Reservoir Dogs like broke the record for it at the time and of course it's you know been broken <laughs> since then. Yeah, for sure. Let me uh, see. List fills by number of uses. Hold on. I want to make sure if my memory serves me right, because that would be... Uh... Oh, you're pulling from memory. Oh, I'm wrong. I'm completely wrong. Oh, shit. It's... Uh... <laughs> so, so, listeners out there, in case you wanted to know, there's a, there's a Wikia, Wikipedia page that's titled List of Films That Most Frequently Use the Word fuck <laughs> so there's a whole guys we're gonna be <laughs> consulting with
0: this page many a time through this season <laughs> and uh, it's it, it very episode. clear
1: it's very clear that it's a list of non pornographic films
0: oh <laughs> you're right because yeah. port- stacy fox oh we can't include that bill <laughs> yeah
1: because you know <laughs> it wouldn't be fair to include pornographic films because yeah. they say fuck all they the say time. fuck
0: a lot that's all they're doing so that's all they can talk about I mean, so it's
1: 269
0: wow uh, 269 Mm
1: -hmm. with uh 2.71 uses per minute (laughs) wow okay Mm -hmm. so even it even puts it in uh so we're just uh wolf of wall street's up there it's number three yeah that makes sense Swernet the movie Let's not. I've let's slowly that.
0: reveal those out throughout the seasons, so number three, <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street, uh, next Tarantino episode we'll do number two, and then uh, I, I
1: think uses per minute is much more interesting than an actual fuck count though,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is, uses per minute, yeah, because how could you
1: <laughs> who broke that down? I don't know there's some nerd on Wikipedia that oh God, there's some a lot of movies, movies on here I. huh a lot of movies I know I expect nothing less. Good yeah. work, good work, Wikipedia. <laughs> If you didn't think there's like more obscure like fucking Wikipedia pages, so there you go. You know, <laughs> yeah. We were we were in a historical context? I mean, yeah, you anything, yeah. we talking. Uh, well, yeah, yeah,
0: we were talking about um, the '90s mm. and how there was like this huge burst of indie, like the indie film movement. Like Linklater was there on the ground floor of Slacker. Um Kevin's. Tarantino, Kevin Smith was like almost you gotta in give response. him clumps. I know, almost I know, in I, response. I That's
1: funny because I don't disagree.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I, I I feel like he was responding a bit to even Reservoir Dogs. Honestly, like like I think Reservoir Dogs was one of the
1: it was a Kickstarter, top,
0: yeah, that mm-hmm. led the early '90s like indie movement to
1: kind of take
0: it's shape. defined
1: because like when when you look at um, modern film like let's i'll I'll take like uh James Gunn uh mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. You know, you have your your Peter Quill, you know, Star-Lord, and he's making all of these pop culture references and everyone's like loves Peter Quill. You know, because he's relatable because he's saying things that y- you know of like like when you meet up with your friends, you talk about pop culture mm-hmm. when you we make jokes and even say stories and stuff. And Reservoir Dogs was revolutionary in that sense that it's like these people are talking like normal people. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not just uh, like it, it's not just like normal dialogue in film, mm-hmm. but mean, it's way, like using pop culture to convey uh, the story and the characters itself. You know.
0: You know? I I kind of think that Tarantino, in a sense, is like the anti Aaron Sorkin, because anytime I watch like an Aaron Sorkin that, yeah. movie or at least script that he's written, like I, it's always entertaining. Because like, don't get me wrong, he's a fucking great writer, mm. but I am always distant from the characters because I feel like they're not real. Because his dialogue is heightened to the degree that they're you're a like, bunch
1: of uh, Zuckerberg's.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's or it's like it's like it's almost like like what people today would call like marvel syndrome, but a, like in into like a like a drama or comedy. It's like every character's witty as fuck. Every character's Aaron Sorkin. Like like mm. there there's no real people that you can grasp onto in his right. stuff. Uh, with exceptions of course, but I feel like Tarantino has that like witty uh, really intelligent funny dialogue but it's it 's a lot more grounded like you can you can like see people you know or something like in his characters so in tarantinos In tarantino's not sorkins yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> sorkin sorkin is yeah he's kind of well, a little that's, obtuse that's what was uh do you think uh i mean i'm I'm going off on a tangent, but do you think that's Kevin sure. Smith was just like, oh you know slacker is in reservoir dogs pretty good I'm I'm gonna do. I think Slacker. (laughs) I think Slacker was the
0: one that he saw, and I don't know. I feel like maybe we even talked about that a little bit on Uh that episode, but I I think that was the one that really like let him know, like, fuck, I can just like make a movie,
1: right? Granted, he did it. No, no, that you're right. What it was, Slacker. Mm -hmm. He did watch Slacker and made Clerks. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's
0: fascinating because like Slacker is to Clerks as like Reservoir Dogs. Is to, I don't know, like indie action movies that came up yeah. in like the mid to late nineties. Like I don't know, I pulled up some nineties. Uh, I put indie movies here. Uh, of course, the first one is Pulp Fiction, mm. uh, but then we have movies like Big Lebowski and like even Guy movies. Ritchie,
1: great Guy, Guy Ritchie films. Guy
0: Ritchie, yeah. Like oh shit, you know, yeah, Reservoir
1: yeah. Dogs was like a huge hit in England. Mm. Like everyone dressed up as like the Reservoir Dogs, and of course, like yeah, the Beatles were like. They, I mean, the Beatles they, dressed they up. They Love an
0: excuse to dress up over there. Yeah.
1: Over across the well, coast. I mean, the 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 black suit and you know white shirt, black tie and stuff like that's like a super popular attire in mm-hmm. in uh, London. Yeah. In London. <laughs> that's true. I mean, uh,
0: yeah. So I mean, other things listed here. Usual spo- Usual suspects <laughs> is number
1: three. Ooh, this little by, awkward to bring yeah, up I know, right by our, now.
0: Uh, rest in peace, the singer.
1: Um, and Kevin Spacey, don't even forget. I know,
0: I know, dude. Oh, fucking how could you forget? Like David Fincher. I feel like even even mm. pe- because Seven was uh, Seven was in what like ninety five. Mm. Um, yeah, Fight Club ninety nine. So I I think it really kickstarted even just outside of the indie movement, it kickstarted this like more adult, more mature style of like action directing and even action right. dramas thrillers stuff like that um yeah i think reservoir dogs
1: kickstarted like a lot of stuff because it was kind of because you you had either the action movie or you had the horror movie mm-hmm. but you didn't have both put together and i feel like reservoir dogs kind of does that mm-hmm. You know, yeah. putting them together like having the gore and the glorification of violence. Because, like, I mean, I, I'll I'll say like I don't give a shit. Like, I thought, you know, the chasing scene with Mister Pink was fucking rad, and him shooting up those police, the the cops, and yeah. you know, also Mister White shooting up the cops with his you know dual wielding like pistols. Like, this looks fucking cool. Like, like yeah. you know, it's like. But then, you know, Mr. Orange feels bad about it. So that's what's cool about it is, like, it's also uh,
0: subversive. He has it's, it's subversive. C- yeah, he has, has I his I hate cake. using that word. Yeah, <laughs> he has <laughs> his cake and eats it, too. Yeah. Um You'd say The Last Jedi did a similar
1: thing. Yeah, you did you brought it up. I'm not <laughs> I know I know. Just, no, for
0: the, just for the
1: uh, just for the audience I out know, there. No,
0: just just so that this uh podcast gets downvoted <laughs> fucking Brent
1: does it. I won't say Brent's opinion on The Last Jedi, but I will say he doesn't want to talk about the I last
0: Jedi. I don't want to talk Jedi. about it, guys. Listen. <laughs> I wish if, we, you if know we're out there, I just don't want to talk about it, all right.
1: You know, I feel like we should have a podcast on The Last Jedi. Jesus,
0: like a whole fucking <laughs> a whole series on it, right? Um, I feel
1: like you fill up 10 episodes. You could, of man. The
0: last Jedi and not like that epic. with Force Awakens, I'll give it that, right? That's um, <laughs> Jesus. It's like the old one. It's true. Signing off. It's been good. <laughs> Bye. Um Yeah, but Reservoir Dogs is a good movie. It's, it's a good movie. It's
1: great. I love it. <laughs> but um so we we have a little bit of a new segment. Hopefully, you do not get sued for using that. Oh, we're already up the creek. Yeah,
0: that's true. Um, <laughs> copyright material. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so this kind of new segment is something we were thinking about where like one shot or one scene where you really feel like the direction, like the cinematography, everything yeah. comes together like in a, a really a, cool like a sh- way.
1: Because I remember you show the reason why I brought this, why I wanted to bring this segment in is because i remember you showing me that video about like film critic oh well, who who was the guy phil was it patrick h williams i th- yeah probably yeah. Him? and how like he insult like i shouldn't say insult he like kind of condemned like just white guys and you know oh, reviewing yeah, movies yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> i yeah. was like that's you know he's totally right and mm. like people like um you know yeah where he talked about like Chris, uh, talking about Chris reviewing Struckman movies and you yeah, know, if you guys know who... Chris Stuckman, <laughs> you're, you're a cool guy, I guess. Um, but, you know, where you just say cinematography was cool.
0: Yeah, like getting more <laughs> into the specifics. <laughs> yeah. Like having at least one segment where we talk about like specific
1: Yeah, technical moments, stuff. Technical right. stuff, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and I'll admit,
1: like, I'm not... I, I know what my strong suit is, and it's always in terms of uh, philosophy. Like that's... And... Uh, narrative structure, mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's where I come from, and yeah. I know that's not necessarily like only for film. Like yeah. that can cascade obviously to to books and other media mm-hmm. genres. So that's why I wanted to do this because it'll it'll get my brain to look at it through another yeah to lens. to exercise through more film lens. Film lens. Hey, isn't yeah. it apertures film? <laughs> yeah, fun. <laughs> But, but but it's just like I I, I wanted to do it because he, he I heard about Kevin Smith and how he doesn't know anything about like you know film lenses and stuff. <laughs> just I feel like we 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 should you know put ourselves in this kind of vulnerable spot and kind of like yeah learn more about um be more technical about it. I guess yeah. Know?
0: I mean I I uh, I think it's exciting because it's mm. it's something frankly I I wish that we had in the past seasons because yeah. I know I know for me. Uh, Spielberg, like that's a big argument for me is that like like his knowledge of the language, like how to use the camera, is so yeah uh, so proficient and but I think it'll be cool to I mean so what what would yours uh, be from this movie like what were you thinking about what particular part- scene yeah like particular scene and granted this is a movie that is very theatrical not not in the cinematic way but in the well, The thing is like
1: i don't have a I've, i don't have one scene that i okay absolutely latch on to just like things that are all sprinkled out throughout the film yeah like uh just the utilization of like a dutch angle with um mr pink when he first comes into the to the warehouse and you don't see. I mean, Tarantino's not much of a Dutch angle boy. No, not at all. And uh, to for the audience, in case you don't know what a Dutch angle is, it's you've seen it everywhere. You've seen it especially in um, Tim Burton films, sure. where the yeah, the yeah. frame is just tilted a little bit askew, so it's diagonal. So you see, it, so it, it you know shit's crooked. Yeah, it's a little twisted. Twisted. A Thor: The Dark World is uh, very <laughs>
0: bad about that. Yeah, bad director. But
1: uh, it's slightly askew for Mr. Pink because he, he first... He, it, it happens when he discovers Mr. Orange is uh, tagged, as he says. Mm-hmm. He's shot. So, obviously, to him, he's, like, worried, like, what does this mean? So, like, when he has a Dutch angle shot, you feel uncomfortable, you know? Another one I liked was uh, the... Because uh, Tarantino doesn't really use symmetry, a lot, like I don't, I don't really recall him using cemetery a lot in his films. Yeah, but he does do it. He does later. His westerns do for sure. I mm-hmm. think, but
0: I think it's because he's trying to get into that. Later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well,
1: in uh, in well, at least in Reservoir Dogs, he rarely uses it. Mm-hmm. But in uh, so in the, the one time he does is when, um, Tarantino actually says this scene is like one of the most selfish scenes that Mr. White has. And he's talking about, um, you know, Mr. Pink is going on about Mr. Orange being, uh, you know, he's dying. And, like, what are we going to do? Can't take him to hospital. And they're all freaking out. And mm-hmm. it's, like, slowly, like, as Mr. White's center frame, just listening to, like, Mr. Pink's concerns and whatnot. Yeah. And Mr. White's just uh, center frame, and it's slowly, like, zooming in on him. Mm-hmm. And it makes you like uncomfortable because like Mr. White has like this moral predicament. Yeah. He like, I I think Mr. White is also a psychopath too, or at least a sociopath because like he has this false sense of like empathy, you know, just to help people, just to help himself because it's like you you hear his other dialogue and how he's like fucking crazy. Yeah, for sure. And so it's like zooming in on him and he doesn't know what to do. And he's silent, listening to Mister Pink's concerns, and Mister Orange, um, uh, you know, just like screaming in the background.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought that was a pretty cool shot because you feel you feel the predicament because I like, can't because Mister White is selfish and doesn't want to get him to squeal to the cops, mm-hmm. but he also wants to help out Mr. Orange. So you feel yeah. like this, like there's like a duality there. Yeah, a duality. yeah. And so the slow zoom is just like, what decision is he going to make? Yeah. And you're forced to look right at him. like symmetry is usually like awkward as fuck. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. So well, like and then shot. that's,
0: that's like a slow zoom in on somebody's face. I think right. historically is used to like create tension because it's right. like, it's like some, something is closing in on them mm-hmm. and it's like that decision. Like what's he going to choose, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the the big one for me, I think, is the whole Mr. Blonde cop scene. Like, oh, yeah. Like, the, the filming sure. and, like, execution of that scene, I think is just, it's the best thing in this movie. Like, between it starting from, I could be wrong about this, but I want to say it starts with the cop to the right of the frame. Like, you can see a little bit of him, mm-hmm. and you see Mr. Blonde kind of hop down off of where he's sitting on, like that equipment or whatever and he slowly walks over and it's just like it's it's doing tension so well because like you don't have to cut to like show all these different angles mm-hmm. you don't you can just let like a moment last and like that's what happens is there's a lot of long shots and he's like walking up slowly and he's walking up just cool calm and collected mm-hmm. like uh and then he's do you listen to Kay's sounds of the seventies, Billy K Billy's sounds, super sounds of the seventies, yeah, and and he's just so cool and laid back, and that makes it so fucking scary because mm. between showing him and his like smiling face, they cut back to the the cop, and they have like the scene like we mentioned, like where he mentioned his kid, and um, and just like all of that is, is like executed so well, and he puts you on heard the song. your
1: boss, you heard your boss, he ain't nobody. <laughs> Wait, let me tell you something. I don't have a boss. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that scene. Yeah, so good. it's like so telling about his character in that. Oh, too. Uh, quick foot fetish. I've, I always look for foot fetish scenes. There's in a scene. T- There's a foot, There's foot, scene? A foot fetish Uh-oh. scene. It's really quick. It's oh, really that's going to be a segment, right? <laughs> yes. Where are yes. the feet. Where are the <laughs> feet. So in that's case a new segment. Where are the feet. <laughs> in case you don't know, uh, Tarantino is renowned, or you know renowned or notorious for uh his foot fetish like he loves feet yeah. and uh i always look for a foot scene because it's it's so apparent there was always a foot scene. it's really quick in reservoir dogs uh it's when mr Blonde takes out his uh his uh sha- his um, shaving blade mm-hmm. and you see like his cool ass cowboy boot Oh yeah, him. yeah. Oh, and also Mr. Orange and is like when he puts his gun in in the boot. Okay. So you know, like yeah. you know, there's a little little bit of foot, foot little bit of foot, foot play there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He's just teasing it now. He's is teasing in uh, <laughs> Kill Bill. Kill Bill is gonna be a. It's gonna be a whole set piece. <laughs>
1: it's a whole thing. Uh,
0: <laughs> and even Pulp Fiction, I think he gets into some feet stuff. Mm. Pretty. Uh, pretty. Oh, it's there's a foot seg- massage monologue. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. God boy, that's gonna be. This is gonna be a lengthy segment in future episodes. <laughs> Where are the feet? Where are the feet um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, back, back to Shot, Shot, Shots. Um, <laughs> I, is that I really think what that we're one calling middle, it? I guess so, man. Well, uh, working title, um, but I am going to put that sound effect in. Mm. Um, I, I think that one in the middle is great. I, uh, in addition, the opening, not opening. God, I keep saying opening. Uh, I mean that one 's great too, but uh with Mr Orange in the back seat mm-hmm. um there it's literally only two shots that it jumps back and forth to, and he realizes that like less is more like let 's let Tim Roth just fucking just act and like just we just are in this moment we 're not getting flashy with it we 're not getting like like z- like shaky cam or anything it's just like him just bleeding out in the back of the car and him like screaming Mm. and then like cutting back to like sweating Mr. White and him trying to like figure shit out. Right. Um, That's just like a really well-directed scene too. So there are these like cinematic flares in this movie that like he goes on to like really utilize. But um, I have to bring up the,
1: because all those, I mean, they're all great, but they're also nothing groundbreaking per se, right? Mm-hmm. But what was kind of more so groundbreaking was the commode story, and when he's telling, when Mister Orange is telling uh, the story about the cops, the cops, yeah, and how um, it's like, because it's like so many, like a story. Uh, first, you're watching, you know, the movie, yeah, with Mister Orange. Then he's telling a story about his. Uh, when he did a drug deal that was fake, is as, as a made-up story. Yeah. But they actually show the the, the bathroom <laughs> yeah, scene, right? It's true from the fake story. From the fake story, yeah, it's so it's like ingenious. super meta about you know movies and storytelling, right? Yeah. And like the whole point when uh, he was, you know, Mr. Tim Roth was in the bathroom and he's telling the story. And he, you know, he's telling the story to. Um, Nice guy Eddie and uh, Joe, right? Yeah, and Mister White. Mr. White. Too. Yeah, but he's telling it, but he's inside the bathroom, and yeah. it, the camera is like uh, spinning around him, mm-hmm. you know. And you see the cough just staring right at him because that's what you kind of like imagine when he's telling the story this way. Yeah, and that it's like he's visually because sal- sal- that's saling, what the guy told yeah. him.
0: Like you need to visualize this bathroom. Yeah, goddamn, like yeah, it's it's, it's a really brilliant great. scene.
1: Like it's really cool. because yeah. it's like it's. It's like visually showing what you imagine when someone tells you a story, right yeah that's what's so cool about it, sure. it because it does it looks fake. Because mm-hmm. the cops are just looking and at it's, him, it's
0: doing a zoom around yeah. him as he's telling the story, like yeah. to the cops. Right. If you're just taking it at face value, mm-hmm. but uh, even that scene is like directed so well, like it's mm-hmm. it's so tense. Even though, like, I forgot it was fake, exactly, which is ingenious. It's like, it's like, oh, that's I guess the point. Mm-hmm. Like, you forget because he's selling it, and uh, yeah, man, fuck that scene is so good.
1: Listen, buddy, I will shoot you in the <laughs> face. If you don't put your hands in the goddamn dash. I love that guy. Oh, yeah, trivia. That cop. that cop was in, that actor was in My Best Friend's Birthday.
0: Oh, boy. Our yeah. lost Tarantino movie. Yep. I wonder if that's ever going to see the, the light of day.
1: Probably not. I think not. it's impossible. This There's only gone. some clips here and there. So I've uh, seen like a few. It's Yeah, it's probably yeah. rough. It's probably not. It's not going to. It's probably not worth watching. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Just like well, gold
0: beaters. Yeah. Well, that people could still watch, unfortunately.
1: (laughs) I don't know the password to the account, so we can't delete it.
0: Yeah, it's just there forever. (laughs) Let's just not get famous, then. Until somebody takes it down for, like, hate speech, which (laughs) there's plenty of in that fucking show. But, But yeah, yeah, so that's it for uh, our... Uh, shots to remember slash...
1: tour shots. tour shots uh, Title in working. game. Yeah.
0: shot, shot, shots. Yeah. Uh, we'll figure it out. <laughs>
1: New segment. Shots, uh, shots, 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 Signature moves. I mean, just probably Oh, s- geez. Yeah. There's um, so many. The restaurant scene. I mean, like, You We just should do something
0: like... We shouldn't talk about this now, but signature moves, signature shots. Signature. Or something. You know what I mean? Combine like it with... Uh, yeah, just call it signature... Yeah. Shots, I
1: guess. Um well I, I, the signature moves is more so just like reoccurring themes that uh the Yeah, more of does. a general yeah, a general story.
0: thing. Um crime stories. He fucking loves crime like that's a big kind yeah. of like broad macro thing, but he definitely loves him some crime stories. And loves him some violence.
1: Yep, loves some violence the gory
0: violence. He he was really uh well defined, like right off the bat, I feel like, right?
1: Right. Reservoir dogs really just like set the tone for the rest of his like career, you know? Yeah. Like, I can't really, people,
0: people like know Tarantino from this movie. Mm-hmm. It's not like he did. Like I, I rewatched Duel recently, uh, Spielberg's first. I can't even movie.
1: imagine that being a defining. Like, It's,
0: it's an amazing movie. It's yeah, incredibly I'm... tense, but mm-hmm. it's like, there are a lot of different things that you see in a Spielberg movie that aren't in that movie. Right. Um, and, yeah, this one, you kind of get a lot of what you know from Spielberg, like the dialogue, mm-hmm. the violence, um, the kind of crime setting. Uh, Even
1: western-y kind of thing, you know? Yeah, a little western-y, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Cowboy boots, that's why. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, a little
1: little less in the way that he shot
0: this one. Mm-hmm. I feel like Pulp Fiction, we're definitely going to be able to start defining some signature moves. Right. Um, but, yeah, did you have any other any other ones on this one? Oh, uh, narrative um,
1: non-linearity, non-linear storytelling. Yeah. yeah, Um The crossovers. There is a bunch of crossover stuff, like Scat, like uh, Detective Scannetti, you know, or the parole officer Scannetti yeah. that they reference. He's uh, <laughs> he's he's the officer in Natural Born Killers, which was butchered by um, Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. Um, shit, yeah, Mr. dude. If we're talking about, yeah, yeah. like the, the
0: QTC, <laughs> like there, dude. There's a, yeah. there's
1: a lot of interesting stuff about how Mr. White worked with Alabama in uh, true romance. Oh, he mentions wow. Alabama. Yeah, well, there's, yeah,
0: Vic Vega <laughs> Vic is the brother of Vincent Vega. Vincent Vega. Um, I mean, yeah, there's going forward, we're gonna think talk about this a lot, but there's this whole Narrative that there are two mm. universes that Quentin Tarantino it makes so movies cool. In. Yeah, it's so really awesome cool. that there's like the real world, which Reservoir Dogs would put in. Yeah. And then there are movies in that world mm. uh, The Kill Bills and Death Proof.
1: Deathproof, Death yeah. Proof.
0: Death uh, Proof. So he's only made a few in that zone. Yeah. But I, I think that's just such a cool concept. It's so like, awesome. Concept, right? yeah. yeah. To like, in like, the fact that somebody, this is kind of a tangent, but like somebody pieced together that. Like Kill Bill is such a violent movie and that the the movies of that world are so violent because it like all started with like Hitler's violent death and like that cascaded into like our fetishization of fetishization of like violence and like <laughs> it's crazy, dude. Like there's uh, this whole fascinating that's thing. With interesting. That. That's interesting. But cool. uh um, yeah, definitely a signature move, I guess. Uh, like he's probably starting that now. Yeah.
1: So his signature cigarettes, Apple Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, what was KT, it? KT Billy Sounds of the 70s? Yeah. K- that pops up. K- I fucked up the name, but. K Billy Super Sounds yeah. of the 70s. That's it. Uh, didn't he have a serial? I don't know. I forgot what the serial was. Yeah, that was in Kill Bill. What I that? don't know
0: where else it showed up. I, don't, mm. I, for, I Dude, I watched the Kill Bills recently, but I forgot. Uh, Goddamn, sorry. There's a cat. <laughs> There's a cat trying to be fucking crazy on me.
1: um We'll cut that out.
0: It's yeah, fine. Cut that
1: out. Um, cat that out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, Foot Fetishes, it's, it's a signature move. Oh, yeah, you there know, you go. With the he's boots. just starting. He's just teasing he's that in there. He's teasing now, it yeah. in, in. Oh, uh, great soundtrack. I mean, like, oh, fucking music. sick-ass fucking music. See, it's
0: like, more so than any director we've ever had, we have so many signature moves. Mm. like that. Like, it's crazy how Tarantino has... He just has his fucking style about him, that, right. like mm. like nobody else. I nobody else that I can think of at the top of my head has. Robert
1: Rodriguez like grasps at straws for He tries, it. Yeah. he tries
0: a little bit, but like nobody has the style that Tarantino does. Mm. Um, so that's why we have like seven fucking.
1: I mean, if you could just use one word, it's just like just cool. You know what I mean? Like like yeah. you can say a lot of other films that are cool, but it's just like you can't. Help, but just say Tarantino is cool. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah, he it's like he defined that. cool yeah. for the '90s and mm. today. I don't. I don't. Yeah, because Reservoir Dog, is just like it's a, it's a cool film. If you, yeah, if I had he, to he, tell. He somebody. like keeps
0: that keeps that yeah. going. Uh-huh.
1: So, I, uh, uh, last but not least, oh, man, I'm not. I always for sigh this. every time. I remembered it this every time, time, and that's not going to fucking help me. Every time. We're about to do it. It's just a sigh. It's just, it is audibly comes. All right, so we got Paul Thomas Anderson's version of Reservoir Dogs. Did we even say that Paul, yeah, Paul Thomas. We did up top,
0: yeah, that he's going to be the other director.
1: But yeah, it's. Uh, uh, His version of Reservoir Dogs. Let's start with, would it be linear as opposed to non-linear? I think it would be because.
0: It would be linear. All of his movies are linear.
1: All of yeah. his movies generally are pretty linear. Mm. Um, it would focus on Mister Orange mm-hmm. more so than everybody, and he's like younger, and he's like he just started okay. the force. That's good. Okay, yeah. And
0: I, I'm I'm thinking it's more of like a of boogie of nights magnolia yeah, vibe. Yeah, yeah. Inherent Vice too. Oh, dude, I feel like Inherent Vice would be the biggest influence on this. Like lot like lots of colorful characters. But like, kind of one lead guy, Mr. Right. Orange is the mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix of. This isn't going to make sense to you, but uh, is like the the
1: lead of this one that right. kind of follows. I mean, Boogie Nights is still kind of some. Yeah, he's
0: the that. Dirk Diggler of the of yeah So yeah, so uh, what's that guy? What's that fucking actor's name? So Mark Wahlberg is Marky Mr. Mark. Orange in this in this uh,
1: adaptation of. <laughs> Of Reservoir Dogs, Uh-huh. Um, and uh, Daniel Day Lewis is Mister White. Ooh, Ooh, that'd be
0: that'd be good. That'd be pretty cool.
1: Then again, see I, him I, in like a well, he needs a main York role, isn't that? Good. He needs like a main role though, as opposed. Yeah. To... Um, yeah. I'd yeah. take your diamonds. I'd take them up.
0: take them. <laughs> I steal them up. I steal them up. Uh, so.
1: God, Daniel Day Lewis in a you know black suit. You know, oh man, Daniel Day
0: Lewis in a Tarantino movie. Where is that's that? That's never happened. It's right? never happened. I'd like right? run through my head. How the fuck has that ever happened?
1: Because probably because PTA and Tarantino are rivals. Oh, that's Probably why.
0: But it's like a healthy relationship, right?
1: Yeah, it's a cute one. That's a cute one. Mm-hmm. They they hug and
0: hang out and cuddle a lot, um, <laughs> just like we do. Okay, so yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's Mr. Orange, kind of an origin story almost. Mm-hmm. It's like him when he was young. He's like, Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be a cop, a thief. Oh, well, a cop. Mis- yeah, he's
1: Mr. Orange is a oh, cop. Oh, he is
0: a cop. That's right. Um, Come on. And so we kind of follow him on this like two and a half to three hour journey. <laughs> there's gonna be a Philip Seymour Hoffman <laughs> there there's gonna be a William H Macy mm-hmm. uh I'm kind of just like setting up the window dressing for us to, yeah yeah <laughs> to the, actually this, make the, the movie. universe but yeah. yeah it's the universe um and then yeah this this uh scenario is in the middle of it but it's like I don't know man there's so many versions of PTA like there's like the the early version there's like the master there will be blood phantom thread version they
1: saw phantom threads like I wouldn't it wouldn't be far-fetched if he kept it all in one place like the, the warehouse in Reservoir Dogs. You know? Yeah. So it's just like, I just don't know what... It'd be less wacky. It'd be... It wouldn't be as glorifying. Yeah, so, for sure. You know? Yeah. Like, I can't think... I don't think PTA would ever have, like, action scenes. Well, he <laughs> does, right? Like, in Boogie Nice he has a little bit... He, he has death scenes... Yeah, he is <laughs> <laughs> Uh
0: I mean, yeah, he's not afraid to show violence. There will be not, blood. Man. Like, yeah. but he's gonna like punctuate it. It's gonna like mean something. Yeah, it's not gonna be as like flashy. Hmm. It's gonna be a li- uh, boy. This is tough, man. This might be our toughest fucking season yet for this
1: segment. I know. Um,
0: it'd be good. There we go.
1: It'd be a good movie because because PT is a good director. It'd probably be an hour longer. Because PTA yeah, loves his long
0: movies. Longer.
1: Um but yeah. okay, so PTA, you know, he, he'd he'd make a, a linear movie with Mr. Orange as a boy, and he infiltrates the, the William H. The H. Macy, Philip Seymour Hoffman back from Daniel the Day-Lewis. In Daniel
0: Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis is somewhere in there. Yep. Got a good soundtrack. And then you see somebody's wiener in it. You probably see a wiener in it. <laughs> <laughs> He's only showed a wiener once, I think.
1: I was no, but he was made very, it count. It, he did make it count. It was yeah. great. It was good.
0: Uh, so yeah, that's our version. Hope and you guys Cruise, like that. Yeah, Tom Cruise. And Tom Cruise is, is you know, probably not.
1: Who gives a shit? I guess. I guess we'll just do our, our, our wrapping up thoughts. You know, just uh, yeah. anything that you'd like to say about the movie, like what you think, what's how it's impacted you, blah blah. blah anything that you have left to yeah, say? Um, Closing arguments.
0: Yeah. So this movie is. Like it's a, it's a classic of cinema. It's like one of my favorites. Um, it's you know what's interesting. I don't think it's one of my favorites of Tarantino's. At this point, I'd probably put it in like the, like the I don't know, lower thirds. Like it's it's great, but he almost always lower makes a great thirds? movie. Lower thirds. Low lower half. Lower second half? half. I'd put it in the second half. Because what? I think he has done so much better than this movie. And it's, I guess we have the nugget of our conflict for the rest of the season. This movie is great. Don't get me wrong. But I think he has done better than it in almost every other movie he's made. Because um, it's all uphill from here. But it's still great. Uh, I mean, this movie like really cements oh, who no. he is as a director. As mm. a writer, even more so, I think, with mm. this one. um. It's. I mean, yeah. It's incredibly tense. It's like almost all in one location. Uh, I mean, it's it's great. It's what I mean. It, this movie got me into like learning about movies and and realizing that there are people behind them that have points of view and that um, that it's not all just Brett Ratners and fucking John Turbots. You Toms keep bringing up for the
1: Brett Ratners. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, <I'd, laughs> You should flag the description
0: yeah. warning. I'm going to put references him in the fucking social media. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, this was when I learned that like filmmakers could have style and could have a, have a unique voice. And like this coupled with Pulp Fiction, like blew my mind and made me want to uh, make me, made me want to make stuff. You know, I think like these are like, this is a really formative movie for, um, Kind of just like my creative side, you know, like wanting to write and make, you know, shorts and funny things and videos with my pals and yeah. I mean, I love this movie. It's great. You
1: made you made Reservoir Dog shorts like apparel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You wear these stylish. Exactly. Shorts. Well, it's it's shorts that look like the suit pants in the movie, and then
0: you get like a lo- like nice little like top and tie and everything. It's, I'm gonna delete that. <laughs> That's, That's great. the worst thing I've ever done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's a lot worse things on this podcast. I guess you know. so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I totally agree with you, except for the whole ranking within his filmography <laughs> and we'll the have reason, to, like, Do it at the end. Well, I mean, I say that, um, not that he wasn't his filmmaking wasn't uh, on his the more amateur side. I say that because like he hasn't done non linearity in a long time. Like Beefy, yeah. you know, Your Story. I think Django was, right? And uh Kill Bill. They're yeah. all pretty other than Pulp Fiction. Yeah, early on he did you know, his own Pulp fiction. Story. And there's just something really special about Reservoir Dogs in the way that it was written. Mm. You know? Yeah. And I, I, I can't I can't help but still have it up there for me. I mean, I got you're talking to a guy who has uh, probably a hundred dollar plus like poster of Reservoir Dogs and hundred dollar plus like portrait of Mr. Pink and his, his apartment. That's
0: true. Yeah. I was you about that. That's right. That was a very cool, right? Yeah. That was at uh, cool your bachelor.
1: Poster. Yeah. Bachelor. Uh. Well, we went to Austin weekend. for, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Your bachelor party weekend. We picked it up. So yeah. I, I, I mean it just, yeah, this movie had a huge impact on me when I was in high school Like, the style... It's just something that just... It was like a movie that just clicked with me. Something that... uh, I was trying to find what I thought was cool, and this movie is what I thought was that, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, with, like you said, with all the... uh, a little short, sweet minute. I always made every excuse to dress up in a black suit. Don't and I remember that. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Absolutely, I loved it. I love, <laughs> I love that. If I could have worn that suit all the time and not be a weirdo, I would have. Dude, we brief tangent. We
0: went out to. Matt's dinner. Oh, yeah, that's right. All in suits. Yeah. And I'm sure it was because of this fucking movie that that happened. Yeah. Honestly. Absolutely. Like when we were like eight. I, I was like 18, mm-hmm. 17 maybe. We went
1: to uh Italian restaurant.
0: Yeah, Zio's.
1: Zio's. <laughs> oh, that sounds so fucking good right now. Mm. Zio's, sponsor us, boy. Yeah, get out of Zio's. Zio's, we're giving you some free advertising.
0: <laughs> Everybody eat at Zio's. Yeah. They might have gone out of business.
1: No, it's still there.
0: There's, okay. Yeah, okay. Cut it out. All right. <laughs> uh, Uh,
1: But yeah, I will agree that it's just, it's not um, full on professional Tarantino, but the very fact that he made this as his first film, well, you know... Yeah, like come on. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, like, how, it's how could? How I could, mean,
0: <laughs> to be fair, when I say that this is like a lesser Spiel, or Spielberg, Jesus. Jesus Christ, Tarantino <laughs> for me. Get a hold uh, of yourself. It's, it's, it's not a uh, one to ten scale. It's like it's like a nine point five to ten scale. Well, we're it's gonna
1: like, have a discussion on what your number one Tarantino film is. Yeah, or uh, what your upper echelons? Because I know that Reservoir Dogs. It doesn't. It doesn't deserve to be Tarantino's number one, and everyone would argue Pulp Fiction is. But for me, it's my number one. It's yeah, fair it's enough. my it's my I personal mean, yeah, number We're coming one. down to personal preference yeah. and taste, and
0: like it's it's just for me. there are ones that stick with me more and that clicked with me more. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, this one is still. I mean, yeah, maybe maybe I was being unkind to say like lower half. Like it's probably. I don't know, like like five, mm. four or five for me. Probably. I mean,
1: the dialogue's better than *Inglorious Bastards*. The dialogue's probably better than, than
0: *Inglorious Bastards*. Do you think so?
1: I watched *Inglorious Bastards* like, fuck, recently. Fuck, I'm dying. No, I watched *Inglorious Bastards* recently, and yeah. there's some like kind of um, there's some some wonky dialogue actually.
0: Oh, interesting. We're gonna watch that one. Yeah, I think so. Yeah,
1: uh, but. Hit the dialogue in this one is just like super solid. Like it's yeah. I mean, yeah, great. this
0: movie's like really Hafelay like is
1: amazing in terms of dialogue. So I don't know where Inglorious Bastard dialogue came from, but yeah. Alright, so uh that concludes this episode of Director Showdown. Shots, 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 shots. <laughs> Everybody We're not gonna,
0: I'm not gonna put that sound effect in again. It's gonna be once That's too bad. I'm not gonna like overplay it. <laughs> Thanks for thanks for listening, guys. Uh you got so, some
1: plugs.
0: Some plugs. Not really. I mean, listen to fam films per usual. Uh we were on a update club that we did a while back. Uh we You mean a week ago? No, not that one. The the one previously oh, to yeah, before my son right. was born. Uh that we kind of <laughs> talk about what's going on. We talk about our experience that you may have uh, you know. Uh, experience with us if you listen to the last few seasons um, and uh, yeah and then I think we're on the most recent one too where we talk about A Quiet Place and fucking tremors of all things so mm-hmm. listen to that listen to um, uh, The Delphin of, Pod Yeah d- all the Dolphin shows uh, they're very popular shows they're, the Revenge uh,
1: of the Squeakle
0: yeah Revenge of the Sequel uh, Infinity Countdown to Infinity yeah uh, which people fucking love that um, and I guess the movie's out now. Uh-huh. You've all seen it. We've all been through that together. Um, and yeah, stick around, guys. We're gonna be talking. Oh, and uh,
1: Basura
0: Boys. Yeah, Basura
1: Boys and I
0: listen to that too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's about it. That's it.
1: So thanks for sticking around for probably way too long. The, your welcome is over. <laughs> you overstayed your welcome. But till next time, we'll have PTA for you. Hell yeah, it's going to be awesome. Thanks, guys.
0: Talk to you later.